Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Game Table! Hello, it's Seamus Byrne again, back with another game table. I hope you've enjoyed the show so far. If this, if this is your first time, then welcome. And feel free to dial back to the last two episodes and uh, check those out as well. Today, I have another conversation from my fabulous visit to D&D Live, The Descent 2019, where they launched Descent into Avernus, the upcoming D&D book where you get to go from Baldur's Gate straight into hell, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, today, I have a chat with... Kate Welsh and Patrick Rothfuss. Now, these two, uh, you might know them either by their sort of wider uh, remit, Kate being one of the game designers at Dungeons & Dragons and Patrick Rothfuss being a best-selling author of a series of books, uh, The Name of the Wind, The Wise Man's Fear, uh, and others. And the two of them are also part of the wider Acquisitions Inc. Uh, incorporated franchise system. Uh, Kate plays Rosie Beestinger on the C team, uh, while Patrick Rothfuss plays Viari on the main Acquisitions Incorporated series of live games. As this conversation went, uh, it was getting quite late in the uh, media day uh, on this particular event, so I decided to just have a very wide kind of vibe to the conversation, and we started with the idea of just creating characters. And their approach to creating characters, their thoughts on creating characters, particularly as Kate also now hosts a really cool segment over on Dragon Talk, the official D&D podcast, uh, which is called, I think, Random Character Generator. And they basically use the new D&D Beyond tool that lets you hit a button and just spit out a completely random character. Uh, and then uh, she and uh, Greg Tito sit there and basically come up with a backstory for why this character is the way it is. So I really liked the idea of exploring uh, the way that we create characters and and what it means to just go about making cool characters. Uh, in the end, that kind of then detours the conversation into actually a really interesting discussion on being a good DM, uh, which I think is always a valuable conversation, particularly when you're speaking to awesome expert DMs uh, and uh, you know, long-time D&D experts uh, like these two. So let's just dive into the conversation with Kate Welsh and Patrick Rothfuss from the D&D Live 2019 event a few weeks ago. God, I've asked. You've answered a lot of questions. I've asked a lot of people a lot of questions. Let's, um, let's fucking shake it up then. Yeah. So one thing I was thinking about was I've been enjoying listening to the uh, the character creation stuff on oh, cool. Dragon Talk. Very cool. So I thought, um, let's like talk about making characters. You know, you're an author. That's kind of like that whole idea of how these kinds of tools, even when you're. Uh, you know, making making characters for games, but sometimes I know I've sat around sometimes where you just go, I'm just gonna roll up some characters. Yeah. I mean, now you can just literally push one button and spit out a character <laughs> and just kind of. This? There's a randomize button on D and D Beyond where you can just hit randomize and it'll roll up a bunch of character stats that make no sense. Veto. 
Okay, hard pass on that. I've, I've forbidden this. <laughs> you played soccer about character creation. I'm actually terrible at making characters, so tell me all your secrets. Well, a lot of people don't know that uh, I, because as Kate just said, she's really bad. I made Rosie Beestinger. Um, <laughs> I just not true. Just handed it <laughs> off to her. I'm like, I'm like you, you obviously... If you want good character, you come to Pat Roth. Listen, she's one character I've made in three years, and she's awesome. But also, I got a lot of help from friends. I was like, I have a basic idea. And then friends, as we talked, we talked about world building in a different interview. But I, I had friends who were like, oh, what if she was like this? Or like, have you thought about maybe like maybe she does this? And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Well, and I do actually, and that by the way, everyone, that was a super lie. Um, <laughs> but I do remember when you were getting ready. And you were like, you're like, I'm going to, and, and I remember what it felt like for me when, uh, the, you know, Ack Inc. was just the one core group of people. And then Will Wheaton left and I was the replacement Will. And I'm like, shush, I've got to go be at that table now. Bargain I was, basement I was, Will over here. I was, I was, I was nervous, of you know? Course, I, yeah. And, uh, and then you were like, hey, I've got to do this thing. I got to make this character. I got to do this, whatever. And you're like, what about, what about, what about? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I remember yeah. this. And I remember, I actually remember one of the places I was, like, walking around to Barnes & Noble, um, like, talking to you on the phone. I'm like, one, you're brilliant. You'll be fine. But I will also say, two, and this is, here's my piece of advice. Um, you don't start with a character. You end up with a character. You know, and we've all, I mean, you should have some things but if you feel like you want to sit down at the table and you know everything about your character, you've closed the door on any chance of beautiful accident. Right. You know? And, like, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, especially the, like, long-running actual play podcasts or collaborative storytelling anything, you know, you think about the Adventure Zone. Mm -hmm. And the characters they all started at where they were 10 episodes later were very different because they grew and changed. And then they found the good space. And that happens in collaboration with the other people in the group and with your DM. And I mean, writers suffer from this as well. They sit down there like, okay, here's my story. Here's my eight characters. They each have a backstory. And now I'm going to arrange it. Like it's this, like it's a, a, a Lego thing that you're assembling according to a blueprint and sure you can do that and honestly a lot of writers do i think of them as bricklayers and they can write perfectly serviceable stories and honestly they write them well and they can write them quickly but there is an element of joy wonder and delight that has a lot of trouble thriving in that environment and that's that's why I'm here. I'm here for delight. And that happens through accident and coincidence and strangeness. You got to leave the door open for it. And so I say, show up, play what you play, have a couple ideas, know what's in that character's pockets, know what sort of tricks they have up their sleeve, but you don't do all your tricks because they're not going to be appropriate in the game. Um, and the same thing's true when you're writing a novel. Like, you start off with an idea of a character, and then the story grows and the character grows. Everything grows and evolves. And if it doesn't, it is not a living thing. That was beautiful. Man. <laughs> no, it's, like, like, it's like he does this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, uh, who, I think it was, yeah, actually, I think it was Deran Wall. Who, I heard her, it wasn't in our conversation here today, but where she mentioned that she makes about like 20 characters to kind of have ready to hand a first time, sort of the first time they come in based on asking them what, what kind of a thing might you want to do um, to try to just create that opening. But then, yeah, that that person then gets to paint the color, you know, yeah. and, and turn yeah. what's written on the page into something that is alive. Totally. You know, one of the times, one of the, the, the genuinely successful campaigns that I ran back in the day, I created, um, I, it was a, the stories I like to tell are growth and coming of age, like people, you know, who start and then they become heroes, you know? And so it was a young boy and he was sort of learning he had magic and there was sort of a shamanistic element to it and he had a dream and there was, you know, there was someone he talked to in his dream and he was given choices in his dream and he got to choose. Again, like as the DM, I set the stage. I provided the choices i was the npcs he made the choices and then at the end of it i'm like give me your character sheet and he handed it to me and i had like six in front of me and i and i tugged one out and i gave it to him i go there you go and i tore up all the rest oh, wow. and i'm like you had many choices and this is where you have ended up this is what your choices have led to now your character is different now again that's a very different sort of experience i knew that guy really well like to effectively change a character, a player's character for them is not something you should do as a newbie DM or not with a stranger, not with somebody you don't know well, but I knew what he was going for. He wanted this exploration and growth and change. And so I did that. I'd also say like with Rosie, cause I was around early on when you talked about her, I was around early and I got to play with her and I watched you play those early games and where she's ended up. You didn't know that any of that was going to happen. Did you? No. And if you had filled yourself up with story out of the gate, it would have been real B-grade story compared to what you've ended up with, which is like you get, it's like, you know, 20 jokes get made in an episode and maybe occasionally you're like, oh, this is a really funny one. This is a good one. This is a deep one. And you take that and then like, that's a seed for later that you're going to develop and cherish. And that's how i mean honestly my i worked on my book for 14 years and the only difference was is nobody was riffing with me i was doing it i called all the chaff and i kept the good stuff and i wrote more and then i called all the chaff and i kept the good stuff and i let i i I left opportunities for the good things to arise um that's honestly why carrick is my favorite character that i play right now he swanned into critical role had a really great moment with marisha and then I kept thinking about the character and I'm like, he'd write them a letter. And then I pinged Mercer and I'm like, oh, this is kind of weird, but could Carrick send her a letter and a gift? And he's like, oh, absolutely. Will, will you do the voiceover? I'm like, of course I'll do the voiceover. <laughs> and I was watching the episode when it happened and, you know, and he hands her the letter and there's something in the envelope. And then I... I listened to them, right? And as soon as my voice came up, you see there's a there's a, 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 a animated GIF of it. GIF? GIF? On the, on the internet. That's of a like, whole other debate we can get into. <laughs> they all heard my voice and everyone went. And they looked and they, and they listened to the letter. And then later Carrick came back. And then later Carrick was in 
uh, a game that Chris Perkins ran in a different world, like Carrick is wandering around pursuing his own life. And the, the pieces of his story that emerge, it's so fascinating to me in a way that Viari is fun to play. Carrick is fun to think about. He has secrets and mysteries. Right. Yeah. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Do you feel like, I think with all this sort of a discussion about the characters, um, when I was talking to some of the other people, I, th- I kind of realized I think a lot of people who don't watch this stuff much or play it much, or I think particularly in the watching context, they might have the mistaken thought that, you know, that there's a plot that's just playing out over the series of weeks, whereas this is so improvisational yeah. that it is about this idea that nobody really knows where it's going until it gets there. I'm sure DMs have their plans, but, you know, those plans can go on amazing tangents yeah. because the players are bringing so much to their characters. I, I actually think that's how you get a bad D&D game yeah. is a dungeon master who has his story or her story that she wants to tell and she doesn't really care what the players are doing. Like they will feel like they're on rails. That's, that is essentially you're like, it doesn't, my choices don't matter. I'm living someone's novel. Right. And, and that is not fun for anyone but the DM. And that should be the opposite. The DM, you are there to facilitate fun for your players and running them through your pre-baked story is not how you get there. Yeah. You have to be able to flex with them. Well, and and I think a lot of it depends on what is everyone looking for. Um, you know, and you're right. The, the game on rails is rarely what people are looking for. But, you know, I remember I created a game once and it was like, you know, there's a little pre prequel adventure. They... We're going to effectively inherit a barony. They're out looking for their fortune. And they impress the king, but they also kind of fuck up real bad. And then they go and they, they're like, oh, we're, you're, you're a baron now. And we have the barony. We're, we're made. And then you show up and the barony's been abandoned for 60 years. There's three towns. No one pays their taxes. Like the, the, trout, the trade routes don't go through anymore. And I had it all built. And I was playing with like a librarian who was a history buff and all these people who were like, like deep geeks for like knowledge and history and, and all and, and role playing. And I'm like, they're going to have a blast rebuilding this barony and like allocating the resources and like, what do you fix and how do you establish trade routes? And after about four sessions, one guy goes, you know, I know wh- where you're going with this and I see what you're doing. He goes, it feels like a job. Uh-huh. He goes, I have a job. And I realized I'd wanted to run that game for 20 years. In our 20s, like, he would have been on the phone. He goes, ooh, it just occurred to me what we could do. Like, he's like, we can, we can grow hemp. Do you have any idea the biomass of hemp? And we can sell rope. If only we can make it over the mountains. He would have been so excited in his 20s when he had nothing but time. Like, dude has a kid now and a job and stress and the world is on fire. And so the next session, I'm like, 
Oh no, everyone's, oh, you're pulled into fairy. Oh no, how do you survive in fairy? Oh, and now it's whimsical and exciting. Um, but yeah, listening to what your characters want. Yeah, being able to pivot like that is so important. Like, I, I was just reading, there's a, a book called the, the Lazy Dungeon Master, which is a super good book. But the, the lesson that I took away from that, most of all, is despite your inclinations to do so, especially if you're a new DM, the, the best thing you can do is kind of under-prepare. Like, have some NPC names, because you're going to have a player like me that's always going to demand everybody's <laughs> names. Have some NPC names. Have, like, some goals, but then let your players decide where they want to go. Yeah. Um, and and just build that story with them. Don't... you Like, I... I know that people can look at things like Chris Perkins games and Matt Mercer's games and be like, oh my God, they have a whole world. This is a living, breathing place. And this is what I have to do to be a good dungeon master. Oh, and no. that is not the case. Oh, no, 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 no. No, the only reason they're doing that is because a bunch of other people are watching their show and like continuity is a thing that people <laughs> expect, right? But in a home game, all you have to do is show your players a good time and you're going to be the best DM in the world. I will also say if you want to see a different example of how good it is and how you can like build a world collaboratively. Um, and I've mentioned it a couple of times in a couple of these interviews. Have you ever listened to the One Shot Podcast Network? Never, no, no. I James D'Amato is amazing. Like Chris Perkins is amazing. But like listening to James run these games where he'll play... He's like, he gets some clever people who are good role players together. And he's like, here's the game we're playing. You guys don't know it. Let's make the world. Let's make your characters. And everyone does it together. And then he tells the most collaborative story ever. And sometimes he just stops and he's like, I want, um, what's one thing from each of you about this small town? And one person says, there's an abandoned pencil factory. And the other person says, Oh, that makes sense because there are, and somebody goes, there's mines around here, old played out mines. And then I said, oh, well, obviously uh, they're graphite mines, which is why the, you had a pencil factory here in the first place. And then somebody else is like, oh, of course, who uses pencils these days? And somebody else is going, oh, yeah, it's the decline of standardized testing. So everyone is building this weird world. Yeah. Um, and like when we got together and we played... Uh, uh, a, a weird new game called Kids on Bikes that centers around um, like the Stranger Things, I've e. heard of this, yeah. Goonies. And he says, what's this town called? And we all made it together. We all made each other's characters together. Yeah. And somebody would say, ooh, it would be cool if you... And then they were like, oh, of course. Yeah, of course I do that. Have you played Fiasco? It is very similar. It's, I love it's collaborative, that collaborative like Fiasco. Character building, yeah. And with... Um, and there was a moment, and I'll never forget it. It was very early on. And everyone got to choose one thing about the overall world. And I was thinking, and I said, I said, I'd like this to be a, a world. I, I go, I don't want there to be a bunch of violence against children because this will not be entertaining for me at all. I'm, and, and, and the guy goes, you don't need to use your one on that. That's not the sort of game we're playing. That's not the point. And I go, cool. And actually built into this system is kids are really hard to hurt in that system. Because as mammals, like, we don't like the thought of children being hurt. So they just pull it right out of the game. But also, so everyone was picking a thing. And one guy said, I want Jimmy Carter to have won his second term in, as president. <laughs> and I was there. And I'm like, because a, a, a lot of times people think like, no cell phones. 
That changes the world. It makes for a different world. But he said, Jimmy Carter won his second term. And for the rest of the game, it was like, and, and when I picked mine, I'm like, I want this to be a world in which I was playing a math teacher where it's not weird for an adult male to hang out with a bunch of little kids. And he goes, well, of course not in Jimmy Carter's America. <laughs> and it became like, Jimmy Carter, I want to go live in Jimmy Carter's America that we made for this game. But it was so collaborative. And so I would say, if you want to make good characters, realize all of the burden isn't yours. You can, other people can suggest things. You can, characters can start one way and then change. Don't feel like you need to be consistent because people grow and so do characters. Um, I think change is such a great sort of part of, and honestly, in, you know, in this sort of a context as well, right? With, without change, a character is boring and it's, it stagnates. It, it stops being interesting. So, yeah, don't be afraid to mix it up either. Agreed. Yeah. Um, do you have... Go to weapons for characters. Weapons. Yeah, this is a totally random question. Like when you're when you're playing characters, do you usually have like a ranged up close, or I like curvy blades versus straight <laughs> blades? I know I was always a scimitar fan because I'm, I just like the idea of that kind of flowing. I think it's it. I'm I'm not a person who particularly enjoys combat in any kind of RPG. I'm it's a, it's a necessary evil, and it can further the plot so i get it um but those choices end up being like part of the character for me you know it's it's a it's a choice how do i want my character present how how do they walk um is is uh i've got rosie my character on the c team is a little old lady so she has a staff and she uses it to walk like gandalf style like she's using it to walk on too but she also can kick your butt with it yeah um and so that ends up being like the, the the choice of the weapon that you have is a huge part of the character that you play. Yeah. In my in my opinion, that's like the that coolest you way to do it. Gandalf and not Yoda. In terms yeah, of right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's, it's a Gandalf situation. It's very much a Gandalf staff. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, it's it, it is. It's. Um, I mean, back in the day, I tended to play a type of character. It's like I always want to do a wizard, <laughs> yeah. and so there, like, it was just a system manipulation. You have daggers because you can stab with them or throw them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, eh, there's, but. Now, I think, what what do I want to play? And when I was when I picked when I created Viari, and I'm like, oh, I want him to be able to just swashbuckle the fuck out of everything. I want him to like jump out of an airship and be survivable. I want him to charge into combat and not die. You know, like to to be dumb and survivable. So I built him with that in mind, and. And D&D, the fifth edition rules, had the flexibility where I could create that. I'm like, he can be dexterous. He doesn't have to be weighed down with armor. He can be dexterous and deft and and fast. And it, I could do that. But it's very different when I played, uh, when I created Carrick. I didn't want him to be a swashbuckler. He's stolid. He's a defender. He's the person that takes the hit so someone else doesn't have to. And so, of course, for him. And there, I actually negotiated with Mercer. And because he's like, you get to come in with some items. And it was really neat because Carrick, at that point, everyone was like 14th level. And I got to come in as level 7. And 7 is high, but I'm just nobody compared to them. I'm like town folk. But he's like, you do get to pick some magic items. And I'm like, ooh, this, this. And then I look through and I'm like, hey, there's a thing called a sun sword. Can I have that except it's a hammer? Cool. Because I was playing a paladin. Right. Yeah. 
And I'm like, I love the thought of him because I go, honestly, if I play this whole session and nobody knows I'm a paladin, it will be great. Because he's just, he looks like a blacksmith. He's sort of a town leader. If everyone assumes I'm just like a smith, that's great. Or a fighter, that's great. He does not use his powers in an overt way. But then what I, I was building that character effectively for a reveal. If a fight did start, he would bring out his glowing sun hammer right. that he had from back in the day when he used to be an adventurer. Right. And cool. so I built him for a reveal. And honestly, there was no combat. There was no anything. He was just the voice of wisdom and reason in that game, in that first session. It was marvelous. I've heard people describe Carrick, by the way, as you just playing Quoth. What do you, what do you say to that? <laughs> I think that a lot of people have a lot of opinions and sometimes they're really wrong. <laughs> Well, the, the legendary, I think, I think, yeah, I have heard this, but I, it wasn't, it wasn't in a critical way. It was like, oh yeah, he's playing his like quote character. And it's, I think, I think maybe it's because it's the town leader thing. It's the weapon that only comes out at a very special occasion type of thing. Huh? wow. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I bet, you people, I bet you people say the same thing about, about Viari though. It's like, oh, redhead, he run, he plays the loot. I mean, yeah, if you're going to make a yeah, comparison, maybe. yeah, he's a musician. He plays the lute. He's a rogue. He runs around. He's cocky. He, he sexes the ladies. So what you're saying is every every character is a variation of Quoth. I'm saying that when, like, the core of my being, shining light that it is, no matter what thin, like, filament of paper you put in front of it, that the truth is going to shine through. Uh, so uh, it looks like we might That's be. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Kate Welsh and to Patrick Rothfuss for giving me the time back there at D&D Live. Uh, I guess I need to throw out another code word for today. This is the third code word. Uh, get your pencils ready. Um, I am really making this up on the spot. Uh, let's make this one uh, just the letter C. The letter C. Kind of for C team, but we'll just go with C. So keep jotting those down. I will be announcing very soon uh, what we're going to put these together for. Uh, but basically, there'll be a special little care package prize being put together with the help of Good Games, the fabulous series of gaming stores that are all around Australia and there's a few in the US as well these days too. Uh, but look, if you want to keep up with the game table, make sure you subscribe in your favorite podcast apps. Uh, I'm a fan of Overcast and Pocket Casts. If you're looking for an option and been listening to this on the web, wondering where, how you get this thing into your, uh, into your phone uh, as a delivery mechanism, but you can also talk to me on Twitter. I am at Seamus, S-E-A-M-U-S. Uh, and I'll drop in the show notes links to keep up with all things uh, that Kate Welsh and Patrick Rothfuss are up to, uh, as well as the Dragon Talk podcast, which is a really cool official podcast for Dungeons & Dragons. I'll be back again in the next couple of days with uh, more episodes. Uh, we're going to have about six dropped, uh, six or, yeah, I think six episodes will be dropped by the end of the first two weeks of this show being live. So stay tuned. And thanks for all the feedback so far as well. It's always great to hear from people. So please send me your thoughts. Uh, and, of course, this show will start to broaden out after this series of D&D Live episodes to cover all sorts of other aspects of 
the games industry and the way in which we gather as a community around tables all over the world. Uh, but until next. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.